0: Welcome to the Network Marketing Heroes podcast, hosted by 40-year network marketing veteran, author of best-selling books, The Four-Year Career, and Mach 2 With Your Hair on Fire, and world-renowned speaker, Richard Bliss Brook. When it comes to success in network marketing, who better to learn from than leaders who have actually done it? Listen as Richard interviews top leaders and gives you a behind-the-scenes look at how they did it you'll get incredible tips and duplicable actions you can do right now to build your own four-year career. Stay tuned after this episode for an exclusive discount code to get 10% off Richard's easy-to-use tools that will help propel your network marketing business to the next level at blissbusiness.com.
1: Hey, everybody. Richard Brooke here. Welcome to another hero call. This is hero call number 95. In the last three and a half years, I've interviewed 94 and about to interview 95 superstar sales leaders that have crushed the four-year career. So I got to start with the very important uh, disclaimer that why do we interview superstars on the hero call? Why don't we, why don't we interview the average person? So this is, this is one of those interviews where you don't wanna try this at home, quote unquote, because what this man has done is, as you will see, absolutely extraordinary. And why is it that we interview the extraordinary? Why do we interview the heroes on the hero call? Well, here's the disclaimer. It's not to suggest that any of you will accomplish what a hero has accomplished in network marketing. Not to suggest that you will accomplish what they've accomplished. It is to suggest that whatever your goals are, whatever your visions are, whether it's to make an extra $500 a month, an extra $1,000 a month, or maybe long-term you want some retirement income, or maybe you're crazy enough to think about you wanna replace your job with something that allows you to spend more time with your family, spend more time adventuring around the world, spend more time on the causes and the communities that are important to you. Whatever your dream and goal is, the reason we interview the exceptional heroes on the Bliss Business Hero Calls is to support you in believing that whatever you want to achieve, you can achieve here. And we all know that most people that go about pursuing building a team and network marketing, building any kind of asset income, building the vision of their dreams, they actually give up far short of of achieving them. And, you know, some people might say, well, some people just can't do the business. It's not for everyone. And, you know, that's, I suppose, true, a matter of semantics. And yet the gentleman I'm going to interview here and I will tell you that we've actually never met anybody that can't do this. We've just met a lot of people who won't do it, who don't want to do it. Who it's, you know, their dream and their vision is just not more important than learning the skills and having the courage and, you know, paying the price for the kind of success that they want. And that's okay. You know what? People get to choose to do whatever they want to in life. But that doesn't back us down from championing those people that do want to achieve their dreams. And I've got an absolute extraordinary dream builder here for Hero Call number 95. Uh, this is a gentleman that I, I'm going to guess, I haven't asked him, but I'm going to guess he's been in network marketing longer than I have. And that's an accomplishment.
2: That's because uh, I'm so old. <laughs> no, it's not because if you're you so old. as old as me, you would have been.
1: Who I've got sitting here, ladies and gentlemen, is I'll bet most of you have never heard of him, but you're going to be shocked at what he's accomplished and you've never heard of him. This is Ray Robbins, who is the top distributor in a publicly held $180 million a year network marketing company called Manatec based in Flower Mound, Texas. And I'm gonna tell you right off the top of my head, something that will probably surprise you. This gentleman right here has been ranked as the number eight income earner In all of network marketing, and I know Ray, you probably don't spout this number, but um, your company told me that you have earned something like sixty-three or sixty-eight. What's is? Do you know the number?
2: It's well, what was published in the top two hundred income earners in the history of the industry was sixty-six million.
1: So that's pretty good, folks,
2: for a guy you've probably never heard of. It's <laughs> just
3: quietly.
2: I've been doing it for over 40 years. So yeah, if you yes. divide that out, it, it's not all of a sudden all that big.
1: Well, no, but probably the most important thing is the last 25 years, you've done it with one company, Manatech. And, you know, there. I don't know, there might be a few people out there that have made millions of dollars, but they've made a half a million dollars with 17 different companies. And then they add it all up. And of course, they're always looking for something else to do, which is one of the reasons I'm so excited about interviewing you, Ray, is I really want to dig into, you know, how and why did you create the vision to not only build in the early days with Manatech, but but not quit, not look for another company when things got tough. Like, where did you get that vision, that leadership, to build what is today now, folks, pay attention here. This is, this is Ray Robbins' sales organization. His sales organization does $180 million a year. If you wanna figure out why and how he makes so much money, it's because his sales organization does $180 million a year, and he does that through 10,000 active sales leaders and almost 300,000 customers. That's how you do $180 million a year and make the kind of money that Ray Robbins makes. So what we're gonna do now, Ray, is get into some storytelling. I know you got lots of them. And what I'm always curious about is, where did you come from? Like, who was Ray Robbins before network marketing? Just give us a little context on that. Like, give us a little story. And then what I wanna know is who was the first person that introduced you to network marketing?
2: I grew up in San Antonio, Texas. And for some reason or another, at a very young age, I was an entrepreneur. I wanted to be in business for myself. I remember as a very young person asking my folks why they always said, we can't afford that. I said, why do other people have the capability to afford and we cannot? And uh, I finally realized that I was hurting their feelings and it wasn't getting me anywhere to say that. So I stopped saying that, but I st- still kept looking myself and I started watching other people, neighbors, people that went to church with me, people that I knew from school, parents of other people. And uh, I think sometimes those people wondered why I was asking them so many questions. Why is this young kid asking so many questions of the adult? So that one of the things that you teach all the time about asking questions and being curious about other people, I acquired that at a very young age. I was just curious, and the, the curiosity went beyond just wanting to know about business. I wanted to know, just like you asked me, where did I come from and what started you? And So I, I ended up being an entrepreneur at a young age. I, I have been in some kind of a business ever since I was six years old.
1: Well, tell us about a couple of the early businesses. <laughs> well,
2: the first one, uh, my dad, early on a Saturday morning, has me at a donut shop about a block away from the home. And I, I started asking, and my dad would say, you, you shouldn't be asking this, John. First of all, he's very busy. You know? He doesn't want somebody your age asking a bunch of questions. And the store owner said, no, quite the contrary. I really enjoy him asking questions he sounds like an early entrepreneur. And I, I said, I don't know what an entrepreneur is. And he said, well, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm someone that's in business for himself. And, and I like the fact that you're interested in me. You're at a young age, you're interested in why did I do this? And how did I pick this business? And can I make any money at it." it? And, and he said, I'll be glad to talk to you sometime. You get your dad to bring you up here a little later today or you come on your own if he'll allow you to. And uh, my dad said, I'll bring him back in a couple of hours. And my, dad bring, and my dad even got interested in the conversation, which surprised me. But uh, he told me that he would consign some donuts to me. And I said, well, explain consignment to me. And he said, you can come in here and walk out of here with as many donuts as you want. And you take them into the neighborhood and see if you can get people to buy them. Back then, you didn't need any kind of a permit to sell something door to door. Right. So I would take these fantastic, smelling, warm donuts up to somebody, open up the lid, and say, "Would you be interested?" And it's early in the morning. I never had anybody tell me no. <laughs> <laughs> I always sold donuts. And he. Uh, Boy, plus, told, you
1: got it. You're six years old. How do you tell a six-year-old selling donuts no?
2: I said, "Well, how much are they?" And I said. They're only ten cents each, and he said, "Well, I can get them up at the donut shop for five cents each." And I said, "But I brought the donut shop to you." Yeah.
3: <laughs> so,
2: you're
1: making more so, money than the donut shop owner.
3: I was
2: countering <laughs> objections when I was six years old.
1: Oh my gosh. They
2: we're buying them, and it got to where it was a delivery service. I I had exactly who wanted what kind of donuts on Tuesday morning, and who wanted what kind of donuts on Wednesday and Thursday. And it got to a point where I had to start a network marketing deal. I (laughs) I started getting some of my friends to do it too.
3: Oh, that's so funny.
2: Exposure to network marketing because I had them making more, but I was making some of what they were making. Right. I had had the capability where they could find other people that would also do it. And so I, I had several levels of, of network marketing going when I was six years old.
3: That's and crazy. That,
2: that donut shop owner fell in love with me and I fell in love with he. He stayed a good friend of mine many, many years into my life.
1: And I'm surprised you're not the founder of Krispy Kreme donuts or well, something. <laughs>
2: I, I didn't stay with the donuts. I found out that I could make more money doing yards. So I converted all of those donut people into people that would do yards.
3: That was yeah.
2: I would just go negotiate getting the yards done and then making sure that somebody showed up to get it done. So I was leveraging off of their work. I'd rarely get a yard myself, but I made sure that I had a whole bunch of other yards being done.
3: Well,
1: whenever somebody told you about network marketing, that concept probably just was like throwing gas on a fire for you. Who was the first person that ever showed it to you?
2: The first, I cannot even remember the name of the first person. I do remember that I liked him a lot. He was a, a well-paid Frito distributor guy. He he yep. delivered Fritos to grocery stores. Yep. Also did Amway. And wow. He all about Amway, and he said, "I'm not going to deliver Fritos for the rest of my life. I'm going to develop a business with Amway, and and I'm a, and he started using the words like recurring, and so at a at a pretty young age, you know, I had a I had an interest. Now, I did not sign up with him, but I kept learning from it. And then I started finding out about other network marketing companies. And and when I really started getting serious about it was 1971, 72, something like that. And uh, I finally signed up with somebody in 1979.
1: 1979. So you actually signed up after I did. What company did you sign up in?
2: I signed up with Eagle Shield.
1: Well, of course you did. (laughs) Of course. I know Eagle Shield.
3: Yeah, yeah.
2: And at the time that I signed up with Eagle Shield, I was a uh, multiple state manager for Legs Pantyhose. So I was working for a Fortune 500 company, the Haynes Corporation, and doing very well. But uh, in no time at all, in less than a year. I, i more than exceeded my income with that fortune 500 company with Eagle
1: Shield. Wow. All right. So you got involved in a couple of companies after Eagle Shield, which we'll just breeze over those. Those are stories for a different lesson probably. Right. Right. So tell us how, how'd you get, how'd you get involved in Manatech? Like you're a co-founder of Manatech. What does that mean? How did that happen?
2: Well, the, the, the gentleman that's classified as the founder of Manatech has been a friend of mine for a long time. We've been involved in a number of different things together, conventional and network marketing, and he knew that I had a specific health challenge. I was a helicopter pilot in the National Guard. After I got out of the active military, I missed the flying and I found a reserve unit that I could get into. And, and I told him that I was gonna lose my flight status because of a health challenge that I was dealing with. And he said, well, tell me all about it. And I started telling him about it. And he said, well, we'll, we'll start praying for you. And, and I said, "You know, I appreciate the prayers. I love people praying for me, but frankly, I think that this is something that I'm just gonna to have to deal with. And he said, you don't have much faith. And I said, well, you don't have to be offensive. You know, just because I got a health challenge, and, and <laughs> go ahead and pray. He called me in a couple of weeks, and he said, Ray, I sat beside a guy flying to St. Louis, and he has an answer for you. I want you to talk to him. And I said, you're the most gullible person I've ever <laughs> met in my life. As, as much as I love you, I just feel like you're gullible, and I, I appreciate you being entertained by that guy for a couple of hours flying to St. Louis. But I, I don't want to talk to him. And he said, Well, I'm going to send you some information. And, and I said, Well, you can send me some information if you want to. And that was during the fax days. Right. He started faxing so much stuff to me. My wife would tell me, I want you to stop all those facts that's coming. You're running, he's running me through all of my fax paper every day. <laughs> and uh, so I called him and, and said, You know, slow it down. I've got enough information. He said, well, so what are you reading? Are you reading it? And I said, well, I haven't gotten to it yet. And he said, read that stuff. And I said, I'm going to get to it. I'm pretty busy. At the time, I was the president of a school board. I was involved in a whole bunch of other businesses. I had a very, very successful amusement vending company. Wow. I said, I'm up to my ears. And my wife and he got together. And I, I have always been a person that does crossword puzzles or Sudoku when I'm on the yep. job. Uh. <laughs> he, he took all of my Sudoku and crosswords out and she replaced them with a whole bunch of these papers that he had been sending. So I was in a position where I had to read those things and, You know, I, I had to do something. There was no crossword, no Sudoku. And I got interested in some of the stuff that I read and I called my doctor and my doctor said, well, I'm familiar with some of that stuff. And at any rate, it it ended up being something that I wanted to prove to him that it did not work.
3: Yeah, but it it did.
2: You know, I, my whole initial approach was, okay, I'm going to take a physical. I'm going to take some of his product. I'm going to prove to him that it doesn't work. I'm going to keep him from getting involved in something that, will harm him because i love him <laughs> and in, in the process my doctor got excited because i did have some results and uh i mean they weren't fantastic results it wasn't the kind of results where he was going to tell me that i wasn't still going to be taken off a of flight status no. but he said I, I would like you to keep taking the stuff and i'd like to give you a physical every couple of months and i said those are expensive out of out of schedule physicals. And he said, I'll pay for them. I, I like what I'm seeing enough that I'll pay for them.
3: Wow. It's
2: crazy that everybody will pay for physicals for me.
3: And uh,
2: anyway, to make a very long story short, I did have results. I got excited and uh, I, I got involved. That's
3: All right. It. And that was so,
2: 25 years ago. Then.
1: 25 years ago. All right. Well, what I want to do is take you back now, Ray, to the first three or four years, because as you know, what I like to coach people on is the four-year career. And of course, some people make it a seven-year career. Some people make it a 14-year career. And some people get it done in a year or two. And basically what the idea of the four-year career is, is how long does it take you to build an organization that's big enough and has enough leadership in it and enough customers in it so that what you personally are doing every month doesn't matter, doesn't really affect your income. Because you got your income spread out, like you said earlier, you got enough people delivering donuts for you that you don't have to deliver donuts. They're gonna deliver the donuts and you get a little percentage of that or doing yards, same thing, or selling Manatech, same thing when you get enough people on your team so that your personal leadership, your personal production, it's, it's not that you vanish, you know, you're still visible, you still champion people, recognize people, show up on calls, go to the national convention, help people when they ask for help. But what you're doing every month isn't the driver of the business. The driver of the business is so many other people that nobody individually makes that big a difference and that's when you have residual income that's when you have something that you can you can really count on as a wealth building asset in your portfolio maybe something that you can translate transfer to full time if you have that passion so i want to focus on that first four or five years of your manatech career and i'm a numbers guy so i i don't coach people to just go do it and see how you do and i hope it all works out and call me in four years. I actually like people to have a plan. And even if they don't have a plan, like find somebody who did have a plan that worked. So I was looking at your numbers. And oddly enough, Ray Robbins, it, it won't surprise you to know that out of the 95 people that I've interviewed that have crushed the four-year career, there's a good 85 to 90 of them that post numbers in the exact same range that you posted. Like there's a range of how many people do you personally enroll in your first year, your second year, and then the first four years total. And almost everybody that I've interviewed that has crushed the four-year career has posted those kind of numbers. So let's talk about your numbers as close as you can recall how many people did you personally enroll? Let's say your first year.
2: I think that the first year I started twenty-two personal legs.
1: That's, that's awesome.
2: That's not much. That's that. That might be high in a lot of people's thinkings. Most compensation programs in most companies now think it's ridiculous to have that many different legs. But in our beginning. In order to be at the top leadership position, it required 12 legs that were wow. legs. But we yep. required that in the beginning. So so I, I think maybe that benefited me greatly. And then I realized that the wider people were, I said, I'm a big time believer in depth, but the yep. wider people were, the more efficient their income was for the number of people that were working the business the amount of income that it produced was greater. So I decided that I was going to develop 24 legs, that I was going to do twice what the requirement was. Uh, It's pretty much standard for me to, we all have certain limits, but for me, I like to do twice what's required. required. I was shooting for 24 And, and I ended up with 22. Now all of those 22 legs did not develop, Today, I have 15 active, strong leader legs.
1: That's extraordinary. I mean, that's about five times more than the average multi-multi-millionaire that I interview in network marketing. Most really, really successful leaders have somewhere between three and five.
2: Right. And I, I don't yeah. want to say that where people think that 15 is a requirement. I think no. a bit much. I think with our compensation plan today and with the compensation plan of most companies, if you have about four or five strong legs, that's sufficient. And and I think if I were doing it over today, today, I could make just as good an income with the four or five legs. And I would have been more generous as I was recruiting people to some of the people that were struggling to develop their businesses. I, I think I wasn't as generous as, as recruiting people and then placing them under people that I knew would work well with them. So right. if I had to go over again, I wouldn't have gone to the 15 legs. And uh, so I'm not, so, I'm not an advocate of that, but it certainly didn't hurt me. And uh, still uh, a lot of people say to build depth and well, I think you need to do both.
3: And yeah. uh,
2: I think that most people, can do four or five, when people say, well, I don't know that many people. I say, well, is your wife going to have a hard time finding pallbearers for you when you die? <laughs> you, you, you need six for that. Is she going to have to hire people? You know." And, and of course, I'm being facetious. and And maybe I shouldn't have brought that up either, because that <laughs> doesn't necessarily endear people when you say something like that. But I have been known to say that. I think that we all know Six people. Let me say something else, Richard, while we're at it. I think a lot of people think in order to be successful in this business that they have to know a ton of people and sign up a ton of people. No, I think in most companies, if you sign up three or four, you can then make sure that all of them, with your help, are signing up three or four, and you use that leverage. So you don't have to know the world. You can-
3: tell
1: tell us about the Tell us about the concept ray of okay, let's say you sponsor me and I'm one of your three or four. What do you do with me to get me to sponsor three or four, like whether you call it tap rooting or whatever you call it, walk people through, okay, you sponsor me, and let's say I don't know that many people, and I'm not even all that fired up about doing it. Maybe I just want to use the product. I don't know anything about network marketing. I don't want to bother my friends. What's the language and the vision casting that you use to build some depth under me?
2: First of all, if someone is opposed to doing the business and they're pretty stringent about trying to tell me that, then I don't even try to make them an associate. I, I tell them, you know, we might can revisit you being an associate later on, I want you to have better health, and our products are guaranteed for six months. Whatever you buy, you can get every bit of the money back. So I want you to try the products on your laboratory. You don't even have to believe anything that I say. You've tested on your own laboratory, and I don't get their social security number. I just sign them up as a customer. Beautiful. If, If they do have any kind of inclination to develop a business, or even if they just want to be a customer, but they would like to get that product for free, they would have like to have enough people underneath them, then I will sign them up as an associate. And what I tell most people is, if you have never done this before, it is much more difficult than you realize. You think that your friends are cl- gonna clamor to something that you recommend, and they don't. You, you'll find out that your friends, your closest relatives and friends, don't have uh, as much respect for you as you think. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you think that you're a circle of influence, and in many cases, I'm promising you're going to find out that you're just a circle. <laughs> not a whole lot of influence. So, so I want you to use what's called third power influence. People will listen to me, and they don't know me from Adam much more than they will listen to you, especially since I have been involved for a long time. So use my experience. I would rather you not try to do it and end up butting your head against the wall and ending up having a negative experience and then thinking it's the industry. No, it's not the industry. The industry has been very successful for people for a long time. And most of the people that are highly successful usually tell their people that have never done this before, please let me do it with you until you feel confident. And as soon as you feel confident, then I still wanna be with you but I'm gonna say very little, I'm gonna let you say, and, and it's okay to make mistakes. You're gonna find out that people that I present to don't say yes. I want you to see that. Even though that I'm telling them all of the right things, I'm educating them appropriately. I'm motivating them appropriately. I'm inspiring them. I know how to cover a feature and a benefit. I've been involved in this for You're still gonna find out that I've come up short. I want you to see that. I want you to witness that we don't all get yeses all the time. No's are just fine. And then I want you to see how I handle the person that says no, so that I'm not burning the bridges. I want to still be your friend. I want that person to think about it. I want them to mull over it. I want them a month from now to call you and say, hey, are you still involved with that Manatech thing? I'm telling you the reason why they call is because they decided maybe they'd like to hear it again. And even then you have to decide if you're up to it or if you want me involved again, or if you want me to get somebody else, I can get other people that are just as capable of making a presentation. And so that they've heard a third person say that this is very valuable. It's very good for your health. It's very good for helping you improve your finances. If you want that, you don't have to do that. You can just be a customer. So uh, to, to make this, Much shorter, I I strongly recommend that people that are doing this business to make a living, put out the time. If you're willing to sign some new person up, then give yourself to that person until that person has several people signed up. Let them grease the skids for you. Let it be their contacts. Let them set the appointment, but you be the one that makes that presentation. That way, so, come up short, it's okay. Walk,
1: walk us way. through the logistics of that, Ray. So if I'm somebody that you sponsored, what do you say to me to have me set up that appointment? And what do, you, what do you coach me to say to my friend to set up the appointment?
2: Okay. I tell them to tell their friends. And I tell them, you want to talk to people that are really close to you, that respect you, that you at least think respect you, think they love you. You want you to tell them that I met somebody that I really believe can improve my life. I'm so excited that I met this guy because I think that by working with him, I'm going to be able to have better health than I would otherwise. I'm going to be able to make an extra income that will help me. I want a new car or whatever you want. I want to move into a better home. I want to start a college education savings program for my two children and I haven't started one yet and I really think that this guy can help me and if I think this guy can help me and I care about you why shouldn't I want this guy to help you as well would you would you evaluate that with me would you let me set up an appointment where you listen to this guy you judge this guy tell me if you think this guy is blowing smoke or if he tells you facts that you can corroborate yeah I like to tell people When I'm visiting with them, I said, listen, I don't mind you at any time picking up your phone and Googling what I'm saying. You want to verify what I'm saying, please do so. I don't believe in blowing smoke. I believe in telling the truth. I'm here to share a truth with you that you're not aware of. I wasn't aware of it either. And when it was first presented to me, I was highly skeptical. I really gave the guy a hard time. But I finally looked enough. I tried the product. I'm so delighted that I changed my health dramatically because I listened to this guy.
1: Yeah. How much rate tell people how much value is there in your actual original story, your story where the faxes kept coming and kept coming and kept coming and you didn't read them. And then finally your wife put them in the, the bathroom and you started reading them and then your doctor encouraged you and how much value have, cause that's, that's, that's what I would call a story of adversity. That's a story of like, wow, I don't want to try to get Ray in the business. This is going to be a lot of work, right? Like I'm going to have to fax him, you know, a ream of paper of stuff. He's never going to read it. You know, his wife's going to have to put it in the bathroom Then we're going to have to wait for his doctor to tell him it's okay. I mean, you're a lot of work. So as a sponsor, I'd be looking for opportunities to pass on you. But that story had to be immensely valuable to you to tell other people for them to like, well, wow, if Ray can go through all of that to learn what he's learned, maybe I can at least listen to him. How valuable is that adverse story been?
2: That story was so valuable to me for a long time. And then I found out that it became less valuable. And I learned something that I saw you teaching several weeks ago on everybody having their story. I I found that I was trying to use my story rather than having other people develop their story. Uh, I think one of the most important things you want is to teach your people just like I saw you do several weeks ago, teach them to identify what is your story and modify it and always tell the truth and make sure that it's, it's valid. That's gonna be much more important to you than my story. Are you telling someone else's story? Are you having someone else tell their story? This is people that are in your life. This is people that know you. Uh, I think one of the best stories that people tell in our business is I'm making 300 extra bucks a month yeah. and and so many people can do that in relatively short order. And immediately that person thinks, you know, an extra $300 a month could be, could make a difference for me too. That's something that I have quoted statistics on for quite some time. And I've taught other people is if you don't have your own story yet, then use the fact that in our country, so many people declare personal bankruptcies every year. And most of those, a high percentage of those can be alleviated, not occur at all for an extra $500 a month. Yep. Many, many people in this country lose their homes. Their homes are repossessed every year. A high percentage of those can be averted with an extra $500 a month. An extra $500 a month is much more important than people realize. And and, and it becomes less capable for a person like me to realize when I I get to a point where $500 is so insignificant. So I have to, like somebody called me yesterday and said that they wanted to do a a affair that was going to cost $500 to be a part of it. They said, but I can't afford it. And I said, you're a hard worker. I'll pay that $500. I can do that kind of thing in a heartbeat now. I can help give resources to other people, but that's not the case. There's an awful lot of people. I live in a, a neighborhood with some very, very expensive homes. I guarantee you there are people in my neighborhood struggling to pay the mortgage payments
3: on those yep. very expensive
2: homes. And an extra $500 a month would mean a lot to many of those people. There's an awful lot of people out there that have got credit card debt up to that hilt. Yep. I'm amazed how many young people I've run into that just graduated from college a year ago or two years ago, and they're concerned that they will never in their lifetime pay off their student debt. And I said, oh, I've got an answer for you. I can show you how to get involved with me on a part-time basis, and you can start tackling that student debt. We can put together a plan where you know a finite time that you can completely eradicate that student debt. a lot of people need that extra money. Uh, Something else that I like about your training that I see and I've liked about your philosophy for a long time is that you don't just key in on the product all the time. You key in on the business opportunity. I think the business opportunity is a product. It is, yeah. The business opportunity, I like coming, bearing gifts. and When I'm coming to people, I'm bearing multiple gifts. I'm not just bearing better health. I'm bearing something extremely tangible. I can change your income picture. I can do it. It's been done for too many people, especially if you use me. If you'll let me make presentations to your contact, I guarantee you, no's don't bother me. I'll keep working until we have a couple of yeses, and then we'll start working on their yeses. We'll get you to a point where you realize that this is possible. I found out a long time ago that people are an expert as soon as they think they are. What what begets that? A little success. All you have to do is give some building blocks a little success. I, I think probably the thing that I enjoy the most is when people say, Hey, Ray, let me do this. Let, let me do this. And I know that they can. And they <laughs> yeah. Alone.
3: yeah, that's great. Yeah.
2: And I know that if they come up short, they're not gonna take it personally. It's not gonna be a negative experience for them. They witnessed me having nose, you know. I think you said something at the training that I, I've heard one other time before, and I liked it. I, I don't know that I'm going to say it to new people. I don't know that I'm, I'm going to be careful because I think it could be offensive. I, I really work hard at not saying things that offend people but <laughs> because it's, it's natural for all of us to want to argue with someone. When we start having enough information, as soon as you begin an argument, you've lost because they're the ones that get to say yes or no, you no. So, uh, I, I digress so far away from that. I forgot what I was going to <laughs> <laughs> How did I start
3: so, that?
2: Let me ask
1: you a question. Okay. I like asking people this question that have lots of experience. Um, it's a twofold question. What is the biggest mistake that you've made? Uh, and then I'm going to follow it with what's the smartest thing you've ever done. But when it comes to a mistake, Ray, what I'm asking about is it could be a one time blunder, or it also could be a bad habit. So something you did repetitively over and over again. Um, and it may not be something that cost you money or cost you the build. Maybe it cost you health. Maybe it cost you relationship. Maybe it cost you integrity reputation, what's the biggest mistake you've made in your network marketing career?
2: You know, I, I've had so many that this is real easy <laughs> for me to cover to, to try to make sure that I get the tough one. You know, might be a little bit difficult, but I, I heard you ask that question to several others. I, I have seen a number of your interviews in the past and I love what you're doing. I, I have often wondered why it took you so long to talk to me, but <laughs>
1: <laughs> you didn't ask, Ray. You didn't ask.
2: I should, have. I should have. I think the biggest mistake I kind of touched on a little bit a minute ago, I, I knew how to counter objection so well that I was arrogant with my responses. And I had responses that in many cases would even get the yes answer that I was looking for but I wasn't endearing myself to the person that I was presenting to and I wasn't endearing myself to anybody that was witnessing me do it. There's so many cliches in our industry that I was using. I used them all the time. I, I used Einstein's, you know, if you, if you keep doing the same thing over and right. over and think you get different results, that's insanity. That's, right. That is a quote and that is accurate. But I don't know of anybody that's endeared by that, right? right. I I used to say the S W S W S W. Some will, some won't. So what? Somebody else is waiting. That's not (laughs) endear anybody to you. If you find yourself learning and saying some of those old cliches, then you're you're just hurting yourself. You're you're not going to make your job easier. It is so much easier when you start thinking of something like that to kick back at somebody, to say, okay, let me wordsmith this a little bit. Let me think of how I would like somebody responding to me rather than the way I'm going to respond. (laughs) I've got to tell you. I've got to tell you a couple of them that I've said. Good,
3: good, yeah. Let's hear them.
2: Here's one. If somebody said, I just can't afford it, I just can't afford it. I can tell. It's a good stuff, but I can't afford it. I had a saying and it worked. There were people that would realize what I was saying was so, and they would decide, okay, you're right. I am gonna buy this product. You know? But it, it wasn't good for me in the long run. If somebody said, I just can't afford this. I said, you know, I'm talking about a $100 a month. And they said, yeah, I can't afford that. And I said, do you realize that if $100 a month is a life-threatening amount for you that your life pretty much sucks? I did that. I, did I that. lost my headset on that one. <laughs> I did that, and I, I, I hesitate to even give you the example now because I don't want anybody repeating that. They won't. <laughs> they won't repeat it, Ray. <laughs> okay. Here, here's another one of what I would say. I, I have people that still tell me. I bet I don't go through a week that I don't hear this. If I'm talking about the opportunity. Somebody says, well, I'm I'm really not interested in making money. That is the most ridiculous thing anybody because so Of course, we've got to be interested in making money. That's how we pay for our homes and our cars and the meals that we eat and the clothing. And all. That. That's a ridiculous thing to say. But people do say that. And I had a response for quite some time that I finally got rid of. When somebody would say that, well, I, I would say, well, then God's not going to bother you with it.
1: God's not going to what? God's
2: not going to bother you with it. <laughs> and, 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 and I would get the kind of response that you're doing right now. <laughs> and that says, "So, what do you mean? I said, well, then you're not going to have any money. God's not going to give you money if you don't <laughs> have a respect for it. I mean, if you don't want to make any money, you don't have to worry about that. You're not going to have any.
3: Oh, my
1: God. These, these are, are classic. I've never heard these. These are, so, these are classic. These are classic.
2: Yeah, the point that I'm making is I'm not by myself. There's a whole bunch of people in our industry that say things like that when we should find a way to make sure that we're not burning the bridges down. Yeah. If you don't burn the bridges down, nose are so good. If you don't burn the bridges down, people will call you later, or you can call them in several months and say, hey, I've got a little piece of information that I didn't have when we talked before, Right. You're sitting down and having a cup of coffee with you again. Well, if that experience that they had with you before was decent and you didn't say something that's offensive, chances are real good they'll say, hey, I'm free as the breeze tomorrow afternoon. Where do you want to meet?
1: Yep. You know, and okay. I think you and I have both experienced that if we look at everybody that we've enrolled, probably most of them told us no the first time we asked them.
3: Exactly.
1: So... Who does that make then your best prospects moving forward? Is it people that say yes or people that say no?
2: Absolutely. You've I, already I've always found A. the
1: people that say no is they go on my A list. Exactly. And and it is because you, you they can't go on your A list if you mistreat them, if you exactly. make them wrong, if you argue with them. Well, you might as well just shred that list.
3: Exactly.
1: <laughs> All right. So that's classic answer. The worst thing you've ever done. Biggest mistake. Um, What's this besides shifting that? So don't use the opposite of the mistake. Come up with something new. What's the smartest thing um, that you've ever done in your network marketing career that you either did one time or you did repetitively and it's not necessarily related to your build? Maybe it is or maybe it's something else.
2: Uh, I'll add to this answer if you want it, but the thing that I am doing now, and I didn't do this until about four or five years ago, and I think it's the best thing that I'm doing now, and it's the best thing that I'm teaching people now, and it's the most productive thing that I'm teaching people now, is to only build two legs. I finally realized that most people, they can't even handle interfacing with four five six people and if they if they think they have to do that then they end up coming up short and they end up giving themselves self bad marks and they run away they don't return your phone calls you know all of a sudden they just disappear so I tell people in the beginning and until I tell you otherwise I only want you to develop two legs.
3: Yeah that's smart
2: of a handful of people that you think might have some hootspot, some fire about them, you know, and I want you and I to go talk to those two people. I want to be as close a friend with that person as you are. I want to really love them like you do. I want to know their kids' names like you do. I want to know what church they go to like you do. I want that person to feel like they could call me as a friend. If they had a flat tire 30 miles away, I'd go help them. With that flat tire. I want them to know yep. that I, I believe in that and I, I only want you to think of two people that might build this business, might have some desire to change their life, have a better life and, and after we have those two involved, we're going to work with them for a bit. We're, we're not just going to abandon them. We're not going to throw them against the wall and see if they stick. We're going to work with them. I want you to work with them as much as I work with you for those two to have their two. If I can teach people to make sure you have two strong people and that that process continues with everybody, I'm telling you success is so valid in this industry if people will just make sure you get two people. That people think I have to call 10 people and if none of them show up at a meeting, then I'm a failure. No, you call one person and pick them up and go get a hamburger with them before the meeting. You right. Just work on one person, you just work on one. Per- if you have three people show up at a meeting, they all feel slighted because you're right. working with three people instead of just them. And they're already right. at a point where they're doubting why in the world they came to this silly thing anyway. So you need to be relating just one on one. I'm a strong believer now in the two by two by two. And I, I picked that up from somebody in Manitoba that is very successful. And this person has really gone against my philosophy for quite some time. Let's say two, just two. If you have a third person, give that third person away to somebody under the two and explain to them that you gave them this valuable gift and that you need to earn it. You need to do something about it. You know, I'm helping you get your two, so you got to make sure that you get that other one. And then you got to make sure that you work with those two, even though I gave you one, that kind of thing. So I think the best thing I have ever done in network marketing in the many, many years that I've been involved is understand the value of two who get two. You don't have to get the world. You have to get two. And then you have to help them get two.
1: That's brilliant. All right. Next question, Ray. You have been with Manatech for 25 years. How many times in that 25 years have you had a good reason to go find another company? Or at least you thought you did. And what Tell people what the value is and what the rationale is and how much you appreciate the fact that during the heyday successes, which maybe come along every five to seven years and, and through the adversities, what's the value of you focusing, committing, Sticking with Manatech, bad times and good times, how has that paid off for you?
3: Well,
2: I, one of my best traits, and I don't mind bragging, I'm a Texan. You know, I'm <laughs> supposed to brag a certain amount to maintain citizenship. <laughs> probably one of my greatest traits is loyalty. When I make a decision to be involved with something, I stick like blue. Uh, now, sometimes that has harmed me. I, I went to the same church for 28 years when I should have reached out to a different church before that That church stopped being as effective. And I probably should have gone to a different church. But I, I still am proud of that loyalty that I stayed there 28 years. And uh, when, when Manatech had its difficulties, and every company does, you can't name a, a legacy company that hasn't gone through its tough times. I saw people bail out. I will ride this horse till the bitter end. I like the horse. I like the products. I'm not not going away. And I never left and I never slowed down. My mother taught me when I was growing up an adage that I still like. When the going gets tough, the tough get going. Or when it gets hot in the kitchen. You know, those kind of adages meant something to me. Loyalty meant so much to me and still does. I, I believe in sticking. So, I don't think that there was ever a time that I looked at other companies. Now, especially when Manatech had its troubles, I had an awful lot of network marketing companies come looking for me. And uh, I I said, I I feel honored that you're looking at me, but I'm not going, guys. I mean, there might be a day that I like your company and it's not that I'm opposed to your company. I, I wish you well, but wish me well too wish me through this, and we made it through it just fine, and the people that stuck, I'm so proud of them, and I'm so excited with their successes.
1: Well, so, and Ray, how is that economically? How do you think that has paid off for you?
2: Well, in the first year, we did $10 million in business. That's pretty dramatic in your first year, and in the second year, we did 30, and in the third year, we almost hit 100 in just our third year. And in our fourth, we went well over 200. And, and then we made it up to over 400, $413 million when we ran into our difficulty. I really like the cadre of people that stuck. You know, and they're yeah. the kind of people you really like being shoulder to shoulder with and doing things. It's, it's a, it was a great experience. Like a lot of things that are adverse in our lives, and give us better character. I think it made me a stronger person in a lot of ways. And I think that everybody that went through the adversity, they realized that it, it improved
1: them. You know, one of the things, Ray, that uh, inspires me about you is your well-roundedness. I mean, I meet so many network marketing leaders that their life is all about network marketing. And... So many of them, if you looked at the last 25 years, they would be in, you know, five, six different companies and, you know, the company they're in now, they've been in for the last two or three years. And of course they think it's going to be the one, but they don't really pay attention to their pattern, which is they get in the one every four or five or six years. I think one of the things that being in Manatech for 25 years, staying there when things were great and when things were not so great and now they're great again is that it's allowed you to have such a powerful well-rounded life you're a decorated vietnam veteran combat helicopter pilot but you're also a father and a grandfather and a community leader i mean um you know you won the uh, entrepreneur award in your community and you do a lot of community stuff speak speak to that like what is you what do you, what is your freedom allow you to do how does it allow you to live and contribute in the world beyond being a network marketer
2: i think i probably appreciate this question the most of all the questions because i do have a very very blessed life and for those that understand that blessed life, the whole lot of my blessed life comes by, by the fact that I spend more time focused on my afterlife than I do my here life. And, and I think that if you realize that we are around forever, that we need to focus some on conducting our life here in a fashion so that we can have a fantastic. Bliss forever. I love your middle name. I love it.
1: <laughs> Some people don't think that's my real middle name, but it is.
2: <laughs> I love it. I love that name. I love the fact that you call your business the Bliss Business. <laughs> I think that I am in a Bliss business. And part of that Bliss business is that I do spend time with my family, I, I do spend time with relatives, I make sure that I talk to my mother on a regular basis. I make sure I talk to my sisters. I make sure that I'm involved in community stuff. I'm involved in church stuff. I'm involved in a number of different not-for-profits. I, I strongly believe in the parable of the talents, but I also strongly believe that anything that I make, I am just a steward. I'm just supposed to be a conduit. I'm, I'm, I'm supposed to have enough to keep my family secure, but I'm also supposed to be looking for other people that are in need. Uh, I love developing entrepreneurs. I I think that's such a bliss business to see other people lift themselves up financially. I I think that the number one reason for people not being blissful, unfortunately, is financially oriented. Usually the relationships, difficulties that they're having is because of money situations. Their depression is usually because of money situations. I love being in a situation where I can give that bliss to other people. Now you might realize from what i just said that I find opportunities to witness too. I love it when somebody's talking to me and they realize that I'm a real person, that they can talk to me, that I can be a, a granddad that gives advice, then I witness to them. I say, listen, it, it's so hard to really have everything else in place if you don't realize where you came from and what this whole thing is all about. And just said, spend some time with that. Spend some time with that and see what it does. And I, I love it when people will listen to me with that and tell me, hey, I, I might tear up right now just telling you this, because I had this happen to me yesterday with a young lady at a corner bakery. I, I've, I've been to that corner bakery a number of times. I'm nice to her. Every time I go in there, I'm nice to her. A lot of people are not nice to the people that served them out in public. And and she wanted to talk to me. And she wanted to tell me that her mother had just decided that she didn't want her to be a part of her life anymore. She was gonna disappear. She was going somewhere else and she just abandoned that 18 year old girl. And uh, I had an opportunity to really say some valuable things to her that, that I think will make her not abandon her children when she's in that situation. And, and will make her life better in a lot of different ways. Now, I'm not thinking about her for Manatech at all. I don't right. think everybody I talk to, I'm interested in being in my Manatech business. I, I love it when I find that I've talked to somebody for quite some time and they have no idea what I do. And and I'm not interested in them just because they might be a prospect. I'm interested in them as a
3: person. As God I think...
1: God. I think that's the the natural secret, Ray, to your success is you talked about it at the age of six and you're talking about it at the age of whatever, (laughs) 72, is that you have a natural, authentic curiosity about other people and a natural, authentic interest in contributing and serving other people, which makes you the cliché a servant leader and certainly
3: in
2: this business too. It's another reason why I'm so attracted to this business because in a lot of companies out there, I see people that are leaders in those companies that care about people. Yep. I've seen it in a whole lot of the people that you've interviewed.
3: Yep.
1: So speaking of caring about other people, tell us about this book. Look what I have in Australia.
2: Well, I, I wrote a book about 15 years ago. And in fact, Steve Spaulding did it with me. Steve Spaulding's the one that got me to do my first book. Yep. When when I did that book, Steve made me promise that I would do a book every 10 years in Main Attack. So as wow. we started approaching the 20th year, I remembered that I told Steve I would do a second book. And and so a little bit before that, I started working on get a grip, and I had it finished by our our 20th year of Manatech. I did have it finished. And I had a number of people that I respect that read it. And I didn't find a single person that liked it. So,
1: <laughs> well, so, I've read it and I
2: love it. No, this, this is, is
1: Get a Grip,
2: folks. What book.
1: a fantastic name. This is a very different book
2: because of Kevin. After I realized that it was boring, it was a, uh, it was a, uh, to do manual you know it wasn't something that had an interest and and would make people see that there was a person behind this and uh, so kevin told me i said dad he said somebody could rewrite that and and it would be a whole lot better Terry bayless told me is you know i could rewrite some stuff and i had some people started telling me that it could be a whole lot more interesting so i said kevin you do it you're a great writer you get it." and then When he did it, and I read it, I said, now I see what they're talking about. This is something people would read. You know, it isn't just a a to-do book. So it's because of Kevin getting involved. It's because of people like Terry Bayless and Bob Adam and Al Bala that told me, redo some stuff. So it's different than what I I had a few years ago. Well,
1: folks, if you don't have this book, this is one of the books that you need to study. It's not a book to read. It's a book to study. It's called "Get a Grip" by Ray Robbins and Ray. And where Kevin do they Robbins. get it?
2: Pardon? And Kevin Robbins.
1: And Kevin. All right, it's co-author. Oh yeah, with with Kevin Robbins. Don't want to leave Kevin out. Yeah, exactly. uh, where do people get it?
2: It's uh, the best way is to go to rayrobbins.com. Two Bs and Robbins. Rayrobbins.com. It's available on Amazon also, but but the best bet is rayrobbins.com.
1: Sweet. It's one of those books folks. I mean, why wouldn't you study a book written by a guy who's made so far 66 million dollars <laughs> in 40 years of network marketing and he's been with the same company in the last 25 years and his sales organization does 180 million dollars a year with 300,000 customers? Why wouldn't you study his book? I would. I he's am
2: the that- The GRIP stands for a growing, recurring income potential.
1: I love that. I love that. (laughs) Ray Robbins, you are a treasure, my friend.
2: As are you, sir. I appreciate what you do in this industry.
1: So, thank you very much, everybody. Uh, This is Hero Call number 95. We're right at an hour. And so I encourage you, share this interview with people. Study it. There's all kinds of phenomenal nuggets in it. And get, get a grip. Put it on your bookshelf. Listen to it. Read it. Study it. Go apply it. And live the life of Ray Robbins. And Thank you, also sir.
2: And get the four-year career. It's a spectacular <laughs> book.
1: Thank you for the plug. Hey everybody, over and out. Thank you for joining us.
2: Enjoy Down Under.
0: Thank you for joining us on this episode of Richard Bliss Brooks Network Marketing Heroes Podcast. If you are inspired and are ready to create your own success story, then it is time to take advantage of some of the top network marketing tools available. Pick up the top recruiting tool that has prospects saying, yes, the four-year career and the four-year career for women. Get your mindset right. Without a clear vision, success is lost. Check out the best-selling book on vision, Mach 2 With Your Hair on Fire. Learn to think like a successful person with this step-by-step guide on how to break through your self-imposed limitations. Mach 2 Vision Training is a 90-minute, four-part video training where you get Richard to walk you through crafting your vision. It's a must for anyone looking to step outside the box and hit the ground running. For 10% off your order, use the discount code HERO at checkout. If you're serious about building your business, make sure to subscribe to Richard's blog for all the latest tools and articles. This success story is not typical. It is meant to inspire you and show you what's possible. It is not what you should expect to accomplish. Your income will depend entirely on you, your commitment, your work ethic, your leadership, and your ability to acquire customers and inspire sales leaders to join your team. Most people who start off intending to build a sales team do not maintain their motivation to continue.